stupid ass bitch. I ain't fucking with you. You look, you look dumb ass bitch. I ain't fucking with you. I got a mind train things I'd rather fucking do. Then to be fucking with you. Okay. It's the Chelsea theme song. It's the Chelsea theme song. Hey. That was a good choice, Heather. That was Thank you. I, I Don't Fuck With You by Big Sean. We are Reads and Weeds. I'm Shelly. I'm here with author Heather J. Yeah. And she's in LA. And um, I'm an Ipsy. And Claire, what's your exact address? <laughs> Technically, it's an post. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, Claire's back, and uh, we're here today um, talking about Heather J's book, Maybe Shorty Should Be a Detective, and we loved it. <laughs> totally loved it. Thought it was so super fun. Yes. Um, Thank yes. you. So, uh, so, lots of catching up to do. Welcome to Reads and Weeds. If you've never joined us before, <laughs> we smoke weed and talk about books. <laughs> That's it, really. Um, Maybe have a drink or five as well. Yeah, just water, just water for me. But I do have a little pipe here, which I got harassed about today. Claire, I've been working on a on a weed farm. And I saw your vid. I need some beats at some point. And yeah, it's real. Oh, yeah, you've been in that in that game before. But like, I'll tell you of all the things, all the different things I've done in the industry, standing underneath a 10 foot tall cannabis plant and pruning all day is it's delightful. Peak. It's peak. peak. And and just wearing the same sweaty ass, dirty weed smelling clothes every day, and then heading out and going to like Office Max and I'm <laughs> walking around. Does anybody smell like weed? I'm like fresh ass cannabis. There's nothing quite like stinking like a motherfucker. Like it's some good. Shit, it's, so it's really lovely. It's yeah. really lovely. So that's where I was earlier, and you know it's. She's in LA, so I, I'm assuming it's lovely. But in Ann Arbor right now, it's 130% humidity. <laughs> it's too so hot. It's too hot. hot. It's too yeah. hot. And it's like overcast, so it seems like it should be cool, but it's not. It's, it's sweaty. supposed to rain, but, but it's not. Michigan, it's just, August is always just. It's like it's like you're in a shower. It's like you're just in the shower after you finish. Yeah. Uh, here is more desert heat and mountain. It gets hotter as you get higher. So yeah. I'm like on the verge of the mountain. So it's like ninety some degrees out here with sun, and it, it's not. It, it might it might look prettier in a picture, but it's actually really hot, really uncomfortably hot. <laughs> it's real hot. I've lived really? there before. I lived in L.A. County. I lived in uh, Palmdale. I lived in. I lived in L.A. area a couple times. I don't remember where I got it. A couple. Me too. <laughs> it was a long time ago. <laughs> Me too. A couple times. Okay. I'll be back. I'll All right. Home next week, though, so I'm coming home next week. Oh really? Yeah, oh. Some, some August humidity. Oh good. Good. <laughs> Does your hair get any curlier or does it, is it maxed out curl right now? 
This is this is maximum curl, but it's gonna shrink. It's gonna get. It'll like, shrink up. It'll yeah, just the voice will just shrink it right up. Yeah, but the curls are the same. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, we are talking about. So first of all, Heather J. If you are ignorant of this fact, is an amazing comedian, and she's actually done the Ohm of Medicine show once or twice, right? It was dope. <laughs> it was, is great. And um, she was, how long ago did you move to LA? And what, why did that journey, how'd you end up there? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Good I answer. Once a week. I'm just like, why am I here? Like once a week, I say this to myself. Um, I came out here to get an agent and a manager and just kind of take my comedy to the next level. Yeah. And um, hopefully find somebody to help me with the book, push the book. Yeah. Maybe a literary agent. So I, I couldn't decide between New York and LA. Um, but New York winters are so terrible. Yeah. Was, like Michigan winters are bad, but we get in our car. New York winters are bad and they're walking. You and know what I mean? Walking. I was just like, the coldest I've ever been in my life was February in New York. And I was like, I'm never doing this again. And yeah. I was just like, no, no, we've, we've done snow. Let's do some sun. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it gets cold here too, but it's not, you know, it's not bone chilling cold like Michigan. It's just like regular, put a jacket on cold. Yeah. Out here in the winter. Right. And so right. Kind of how I got. And then COVID hit, and I was just like, where's my support bubble? Mm. My support bubble is in, you know? So. so you moved recently? No, I, well, I've been moving for five years. It took me, oh, it took okay. me, I started in 2015. Going like I'd come out here for a month, I'd go back, you know. She's I'd moving one friends. state at a time. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> and then 2016, I came and did another couple months. In 2017, so 2018, I think, is when I came for good and got a job and, you know, started paying bills. Because you don't live somewhere until you pay bills there. That's yeah. true. That's true. Until you're paying bills there, you're a tourist. Right. That's true. <laughs> That's true. You're just visiting. Um, so, I remember you talking about writing this book, and I want to get into, I had so much fun with this book, I'm telling you. So, the other day, the other day on, on Michigan Radio, there was a, um, maybe you heard this story, it was Walter Mosley, and it was three African-American mystery writing kind of authors mm -hmm. cop, talking about cops and how cops are written. And it was this great thing. And I was in the middle of your, reading your book and I was like, oh, they should know about this. Like this book mm -hmm. is funny and it's a different take on characters that I've seen before, like as far as a detective. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I love, I just thought it was a blast. I thought it was a blast. <laughs> So it's available digitally, or you can call Heather and give her money every 10 minutes and she'll read it aloud to you. Oh. That's right, right? It's Isn't it $10 a minute for you to read aloud? Isn't that oh, well, it? That's more expensive than porn. Right. Well, I'm saying some people are probably into it. There's probably a reading your book to me fetish site. Uh oh, just, you stay <laughs> you know that's true. You know that's true. It's like I heard, I heard you read to people. You're like, oh, I do. What do you want to? You can read your own book. It's highly specific, but there's, you know, there's some creeps out there that are like, read me a soup label or you know, yeah. just whatever. Read me a Batman <laughs> comic. 
Read me those bone broth soup ingredients real slow. <laughs> Just had some bone broth soup. That's why that came up. So bone broth go. is the best. It's the shit. It's I broth it. made. It sounds so Wiccan. It sounds super disgusting. Like my friends, when I used to, I used to drink it every day. And yeah. my friends would be like, it, that sounds nasty. And I'm like, it's just chicken broth. Like, it's not that deep. It's, yeah. Just, yeah. it's just chicken broth. Right. They changed it when they went from like witches standing over a cauldron making it to like companies making it. They're like, yeah. Maybe we don't need to reference the fact that it's bones. <laughs> bones. Our American culture isn't really comfortable with the fact that we eat animals. Yeah. <laughs> they want to do it, but they don't want to do it. You said this be called chicken soup. Yeah. Bone broth. Bone broth. Yeah, now it's called bone broth. Bone broth. <laughs> Claire, okay. yes. give, give, can you give saying bone broth just a quick shot? Because it feels really good. Bone broth. Right? Um, fun to say. It's fun to say. Okay. So the article on NPR uh, was having, I'll try to look it up and put that in the comments somewhere because their take was like, we need more people from everywhere of every kind of background writing about cops and detectives and everything in different and new ways. Right. And that was their push. Like little kids that grew up on cops and robbers or, do you know what I mean? Good guy, bad guy type. The role that cops took in their mind from TV and books has got to change if not already changing. And how do we highlight the authors that already write about it in some way that is at least unique, you know, at least unique. And so because your book was funny and the characters are like so human do you know what I mean? Like nobody's elevated to a status of like superhero cop or anything. They're all yeah. just humans. And, uh, and there's real relationships in there and there's gray area of like what's right and wrong. And, mm -hmm. and then I love the fact that it's just this area. It's so yeah. fun writing about this area, you know, <laughs> um, and you straight up used Melanie Hearn's name in there. Everybody's name is in my book. Everybody's Kool Aid in there. Everybody's name me. is in my book. Yes. When I'm thinking of a name, I just I, Shelly. <laughs> like I, I, that's what I do. Like that's what I do. So Melanie, I, I knew she would get a kick out of that. Yes, <laughs> so I yes. did that for her. But yes. um, uh, Toddy Bester is actually my cousin's name. Her name, oh, was, really? her name. Her name is Tasha, but we call her Toddy. And she's and very um, she's very strong willed. Mm -hmm. And very, um, very comfortable in her womanhood. Sure, and so I kind of sure. borrowed that from her. She's not yeah. a cop, but she is very strong and she's not yeah. afraid. And so I kind of pulled and, and uh, Shantae is uh, the girl who Chelsea was fighting with since high yes. school. Yes. That's, that's one of my dear friends that passed away and I kind of wanted to have her name in there. So I was like, oh, yes. Oh, that's great. Uh, Detective Wu is a comedian from Detroit that passed away a few years ago. So he was very tall. He looked like a basketball player. Oh, my gosh. And he was, he was, here's the thing about Wu. Wu stayed in trouble with the law. So to make him a cop was funny to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> funny. So that was like great. something that was just like, like, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, it's okay. But if you get it, you'll be like, ah, it's Wu, you know? <laughs> yes, it's all these inside jokes. It's kind of yeah. like, because I only knew a couple of the inside jokes. And I was like, oh, 
Oh, I bet there's so many because, you know, I don't know you that well. Eggs, right? <laughs> what? That's what they call that in like um, video games, the Easter eggs kind of. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. So Heather, this is Claire. Claire's done a bunch of these shows. Um, I am yeah. just, like so excited. I'm just like staring at you. You're so beautiful. Like, oh my God. So like, I can't believe I'm talking to her. I love her. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. Do questions? I don't even know anymore. Like, um, no, I just love, love, love hearing you talk about it. Um, and obviously I didn't, I don't know, um, many of the name references, but you know, I, I am familiar enough with Detroit to, uh, to feel that sense of like, oh, maybe I can kind of see it a little bit more mm -hmm. vividly from, you know, a made up place or somewhere I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I loved it. The characters were so real and um, like, I, I just felt like the dialogue was so true and, um, you know, both snappy, but, but just um, like also the mundane, you know, it, it mm -hmm. like was a really good balance of um, this is a mystery story, but also this is like, you know, setting up the characters. I thought there was mm -hmm. there were so many really lovely details about, the individuals that um, just made it so rich. Like I, there's the, there's an image of, and I'm t always terrible with remembering characters' names for whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but her best friend, the guy next door, snap, snap, or snap. Okay, like yeah. I have this image of him when he like jumps on the windshield, and they're like, it's kind of a serious moment, but he just, like, <laughs> kind of jumps out, and I'm just like, oh my god, these people are so real and so vivid. So. That was like one of the things that I wanted to say just as far as <laughs> thank what, you. Yeah, what really stuck out to me about the book. Um, but I mean, the the other thing that I kind of wanted to I mean, the a large question that I wanted to talk or have like just have you sort of talk about um was the format because I mean I'm a I'm I love having a hard copy. Um, and in this case, in particular, I really wanted one because I'm that person who's like, you got to read this book. And then I give it to people, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to have to send it to the people on Kindle or whatever. But um, I can send you a copy. I just didn't want to. I'm not I'm pushing digital because of COVID. Yeah. So no, just, you know, but I used to keep hard copies of the book and sell them all the okay, time. Well, but I now people can go straight to Amazon because I don't want to touch them. <laughs> Oh, I mean, yeah. I, don't want, I don't want anybody concerned. I, like, I don't want to hear any crap. So like, I don't want somebody a year from now, like, I got COVID because I bought your book. Like, I don't want to hear it. You know what I mean? Completely. Yeah, I get it from Amazon. Well, I will, um, I, well, I will order one from you if, if you do have some, I would love. Yeah, I'll get your book. No problem. Find me one. I am like that nerd that I do. I would, if it's possible for me to get one signed by the author, I always love that. But you know, it really the, there's this book reminded me of another book, and I should have looked it up before I mm -hmm. got on here. But um, there's a there's a book by a Nigerian writer about two sisters. One of the sisters is like a serial killer, basically. Mm. Did I read that, that with or did I read it with someone else? I have three book clubs, so I don't always... It answer. doesn't sound like one of ours. My it doesn't sound like one of ours. Okay, so it's called My Sister the Serial Killer. Man, that sounds great. Um, by 
I'm uh I'm gonna really fuck up her name. Um Oyin Ken Braithwaite, I guess this O-Y-I-N-K-A-N Braithwaite. And so apparently this was a really popular ebook in Nigeria mm-hmm. that got okay. so popular it ended up getting printed. So um I just thought that was really like it's it's like among a genre of these kinds of like kind of easy snappy reads mm-hmm. in, in so many ways felt like your book so I was like oh my yeah. god I wonder if this is like kind of in that tradition of writing these really like what would be called like a vernacular right a vernacular colloquial um like you can read it on the train the chapters are really short you know what i mean the just there's this a fast pacedness about it like you don't Mm -hmm. have i mean there's confusion but that's part of it so if you kind of up and you like weren't told you know it's it's the kind of thing that's an easy read right um, yeah. So I was kind of wondering about that, but um, it, it does for me just bring up larger questions of accessibility of, mm-hmm. of stories and literature in general, um, you know, and that if we're, you know, like, who's to say that books have to be like complicated and, you mm-hmm. know, like, oh, we're going to have big words and, yeah. you know, like, what? Nobody fucking wants that. This is what people want. This is what people want to read. Yeah. This is what people relate to. So I don't know. There's a question in there somewhere, but um, <laughs> you know, this um, like, I think yeah. James Patterson started that. Honestly, I think James Patterson. James Patterson. Because, yeah, because his his chapters were always really short. Yeah. You get a little bit of the perceptive uh, perception from the killer, then back to the detective, then back to the killer, and you kind of would piece together. And you had no idea what was going on until the end. And you just yeah. kind of went on this little journey, like, okay, now I'm in her head. Now I'm in his head. Now, okay. Okay, mm-hmm. but the chapters were so short, you didn't get overwhelmed. You could put it down and come back to it. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I really think that's what he, he kind of introduced to the industry. And then we became, we became a generation of bloggers. And that's what blogs are. Blogs are very colloquial. Blogs are just, yo, y'all, what's up? This is what I'm feeling. Whatever. Boom. Nobody, it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. journalistically sound. It was just right. what I'm thinking. Yeah. And then this is this is kind of how we evolved as writers, and I think I definitely think that was it for me because I blogged for a long time, and I just got very comfortable in my in my own voice, not the voice I thought people wanted to hear. Yeah. So tell me about because um, I've known you as a comedian for a long time now. I mean, just from Ann Arbor, Detroit area stuff, and we've done shows together here and there randomly. Have you ever done Fifty First Jokes? Every time you did it, I couldn't do it. <laughs> oh, shit. Is that right? Oh, my God. I feel like we've done some other type of festival, like the Detroit Comedy Festival. I mean, the Motown or the Women of Comedy. Oh, we did. We've done, yeah, we've done some things, yeah. Yeah. But um, so I didn't realize you were writing a book that was getting ready to come out, and then I loved it so much. And then, so what I'm wondering is, like, are you – were you like the Law and Order fan? Are you are, are parts of you Chelsea? Like, were you the Law and Order kid that was like yeah. wanting to be a crime solver, wanting to be a Nancy yeah. Drew? You know, like, how did you start writing about this particular thing instead of just Detroit comedy or whatever? Like, how did uh, this become your thing? I love detective books. I started as a kid. I read Encyclopedia Brown and, and Trixie Belden and the Hardy Boys. And then I, I graduated to Agatha Christie's and that was always a, a, a fun 
little time in my in my life when I could just go in the house. I, I was never really a big outside kid. I wasn't a gamer because they weren't the way they are now. Um, but I was a book. I was a book reader. I would go in the house and watch TV for hours or, or read books for hours. Uh-huh. And uh, so I was, and then I could, you know, I could go outside and get get down too. So I, I, I grew up in a neighborhood very similar to the one I described um, as Chelsea living in. My sister is very much like Carter. My sister left the block and she would rather live in a box on the freeway than move back to the ghetto. Like she's never going <laughs> right. to move back to the ghetto. Right. Whereas me, I, my attitude was always like, ah, people are people. I don't really care where I live. Yeah. And I, I've lived, I've lived like when I moved out to LA, I lived in Inglewood for a year. Now I live in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like I don't care. Like I really don't yeah. care. Yeah. So I, I wanted to, I wanted to, the conversations I have with my sister are very similar um, where she'll just, you know, my sister's very elitist and she'll, you know, she lives in West Bloomfield and she'll just, oh, you guys, oh, I'm not going to the ghetto. And I'm like, you were raising one. Shut up. Like, it's just like, <laughs> you know, like that's the kind of conversation yeah. we have. So I wanted to, I definitely wanted to draw a, a circle around the kind of person that is comfortable in the environment they were raised up in. Just the way suburban people are comfortable in the environment they were raised up in. And yeah. the kind of person that a lot of people might walk past and say, what does she know? Or look at her or look at her ponytail or why is her hair red or whatever. And completely miss the fact that she's the smartest person in the room. And that's, that's what I wanted Chelsea. I wanted Chelsea to be an underdog. And when I thought yeah. of underdogs in Detroit, I'm like, everybody thinks the hood girl is like popping her gum and twerking. And it's like, she might just be the smartest person in the room. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I love that character. Yeah. So that's kind of how she was. She's she's like a she's a little bit of my relationship with my sister, and and we grew up in a in a two parent family, uh, with a bougie mama, you know who who yeah. who, who, would, who kind of poured into us like you're better than that, you're better than that, yeah, or whatever. So we kind of had this voice in the back of our head. But nature versus nurture is strong. So it, no yeah. matter how I present, I can come to Ann Arbor and I can present. My name is Heather. Woo woo. But I can also, you know, be on the street like, what the fuck y'all talking about? You know, <laughs> I can develop and, I, and I, I, I came to not be ashamed of that. Yeah. There was oh, a time yeah. when it was like, no, you can't, you can't, you can't. And it was like, no, no, she's okay. They're both okay. Corporate Heather's yes. okay. Suburban Heather's okay. Hood Heather's okay. They're all okay. And it's like, yeah. I need to be comfortable in all of them because they all shape me. And they all come in yeah. handy. They all come in handy. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. I mean, when you're saying that, I'm just like, it's so clear in your book that you, I mean, mm-hmm. right. You're, you're an expert code switcher, you know, like you can really jump into that colloquialism and then like, you know, the larger being able to really uphold a somewhat complex narrative and, you know, descriptions that are really vivid. Um, so I just was like, it was all so smooth kind of and jumping between the different perspectives and all that kind of stuff. I just was like really in awe because, you know, um, I, you know, I forget sometimes how, like, just like I was saying before, like I forget how fulfilling something really, um, like, I don't want to, like, simple isn't the right word, but, like, something that really just, like, is straight to the point, um, again, not makes sense, but that just, like, fits and is smooth, and I'm not like, wait, what happened? Who are we talking about now? Like, again, yeah. these things that are purposely trying to confuse you because then you're worthy of, 
reading this like a height of you know fiction or whatever bullshit. I think it's a mood. Like I think that's a mood. You yeah. know what I mean? You might you might want to read something really deep and introspective and feel smart. Um, I I'll, whenever I read British literature or watch British shows, I'm constantly googling what words mean. I'm like, what's that? What's that? What's that? You know what I mean? It's like, wow, that's a good word. Well, that's a great. Make a note. That's a good one. You know what I mean? I but then there's sometimes, okay. then I just want to watch Love and Hip Hop and just want to watch these hoes fight. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I don't yes. want to have to, it's just like a mood. They're just, they're just moves. They're just moves. Well, and, be- and we've talked about this on this show before. Maybe when we talked about the elements of fiction, I can't remember what book we were. We, I think we, I think it's a recurring theme where we talk about authors that are good at giving you just enough to the reader and the reader creates the whole rest of the world. There's yeah. just enough, just enough of the world. You don't paint the entire picture, but it's like, oh, these people are neighbors, they're buddies, they're kind of in love and they share greasy breakfast on Saturday morning and, yeah. you know, have dance. They, they have like the dance off or whatever. They learn the yeah. dances and you know <laughs> just enough. And you're like, oh, I know those people. Right, right. I, I, know, I know that relationship. I, I know that like guy. That. I know that guy who dresses too, it's, it's you know what I mean, who spends too much money on his clothes for it to make sense, and everybody makes fun of him, but he thinks he's a bad <laughs> like, when, when, when you come into the city of Detroit, and you really, yeah. like, just get comfortable, there's mm-hmm. so many people like Carter French. Carter French, oh, yeah. the dandy, the dandy in Detroit is very common. Oh, yeah. There's just a guy, I can tell you where they shop, it's a, it's a clothing <laughs> store on Seven Mile Livernois called Simply simply casual the owner rufus bartell who's a good friend of mine shout out to rufus if you're watching shout out to rufus (laughs) rufus Rufus is a dandy he's he's never not sharp as a tack he's never i've never seen him slipping even if he has a t-shirt and jeans, it's like how much were those jeans like he's just he's a a clothier he's definitely in the business but he is definitely an a a a peak that whole block of seven mile you can get people don't know this because everybody thinks detroit is so poor you can get a bespoke suit on Seven Mile Livernoy. A bespoke yeah. suit yes. on Seven Mile Livernoy. And this man stays busy. He's a very nice man. He stays busy. He's never bored. He's always right. making a suit for someone. So it's sure. like people don't... I knew that when I wrote about Detroit, people were going to have this image. Like, oh, they're all on crack. And it's like, no. No, no. They're Lexuses and Escalades and Shelby Mustangs. And, yes, yes. Um, I got Maybachs in the new book because it's like at the end of the day, that is real. Like that is the Detroit. It's real. That's Detroit. It, yeah. Even living in in the heart of the ghetto, my mother shopped at Saks. Okay. So, yes. Like, yes. She was coming out in Silk Donna Karen. Okay. So, I know, and I, I love the I love the um, the descriptions the just the descriptions of everybody and the pictures that you paint with even small characters like the recording studio. Murder. Oh. So, okay, let me pause for a second and Did explain. You guys watch TV? Did you watch <laughs> <laughs> let me pause for a second and explain that um, maybe Shorty is a detective is a detective book about a central female protagonist named Chelsea who's in Detroit and it's about her world and her family and she works at a grocery store, but it is revealed over and over again that she 
knows how to solve crimes, but she's not a cop. She's not a detective. And she has kind of a casual relationship with this power that she has. She's like Cheever too, which is really key. She's an underachiever. She's an underachiever. She's an underachiever. And, and she's bucks. pregnant by a man in jail. Don't forget And she's part. pregnant by a man in jail. <laughs> and, and she's the one that you're kind of hanging around looking at the world through. And it's great. It's, it's so fun because she's such a character that's not, she's not trying to be a hero. She's nope. not trying to be a supermodel. You know, she's just doing her thing. And, um, and the, the reason why, so, so you watch her go through, she, she's, you know, solving some crimes, sort of, and she's having relationships, and you're finding mm-hmm. out about her past and the neighborhood and everything, and then it ends with a cliffhanger. <laughs> well, the whole purpose was supposed to be, she's kind of, like you said, an underachiever. She's, she doesn't want to do better. She's, she's content where she right. is. Even though everyone around her is like, you could be doing better. And she's like, I like my job. My house is paid off. I'm not hurting anybody. Leave me alone. She also lost her her mother. And the the loss of her mother is definitely impacting her, her movements you you I don't know if you guessed she's kind of going through a little funk, you know, she's kind of not at her best place. And then something happens that makes her have to step up. Mm-hmm. And so now you're getting, so the end of the book is a cliffhanger, but it's also the beginning of her saying, okay, fine, I'm going to be this person you guys want me to be. I'm going to do better. Oh, and so now book two is where you actually see her say, okay, fine. This is what, this is what you guys want. This is what I'm going to do. Ooh. So to me, to you guys, it was a cliffhanger. To me, it was like, this is where it was like an origin story right. for, for Sherlock and, and Detective Monk, because she's loosely based on Sherlock. I think they all are. Yes, where you have right. Snathis Watson, her brother is Lestrade. You know what I mean? Um, she has her ex-boyfriend that comes out of nowhere, that kind of like mm-hmm. knew, you know, knew Adrian? who she was. Adrian? Uh, no, uh, no, Romeo. Romeo. Oh, that's yeah, right. Because he's an overachiever. He's an overachiever. He's an overachiever, right. So that was, their, that was their problem in their relationship. Romeo yeah. is based on a guy I dated that lives out here that is black and Persian. Hmm. And that was important to me because Michigan has such a huge Middle Eastern population that I wanted to, I wanted to have an honest conversation about the way Blacks and Middle Eastern people get along because we do have a very unique relationship that doesn't match the rest of the country. Yeah. So it's it's not uncommon to be at a club in Detroit and the Arab, the Arab and Black guy is next to you. You know, yeah. or the Arab and Persian, it, it's not, it's just not a big deal. And he's so, super so, hot. Yeah, and he, and that was him. He was, he, he was a lawyer before he, but you know, he was a lawyer before he moved out here. So I was like, yeah, and he was like, and he's an overachiever. <laughs> so it was yeah. kind of like, kind of pulled that from him, but he's, he's also fundamentally a very good person. And I wanted, yeah. I wanted Romeo to be like the voice of goodness. So that was kind of his pur- his purpose, and then yes. we was another ex boyfriend who managed. Oh, I, I have an ex boyfriend that manages a rapper, and nobody knows who they are in America, but they're huge overseas. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows who they are overseas. Oh my god! Nobody knows who they are in America. So he he walks around Detroit, you would never know. He drives a Jag. He's he's in Belgium. He's here. He's there, and he's really yeah. low key. 
real easygoing kind of guy, easy to like. Because it's like he's he's just chilling. He smokes. He I gotta send him the link to the podcast. He's gonna love. It. He's gonna yes. love it. He's smoking a blunt. Like oh yeah, I fucked it good. Like he's real chill. You know. Real chill. Yes. But again, very uh, international traveler. So yeah. it's like again things things that people don't think exist in Detroit. Well, you know that, that somebody can is- just have access to. Yeah. If you know, because because of some of these shows and just kind of the different circles that I run into with comedy and music and stuff, when you started describing the, um, the studio and this good-looking guy with dreads down to his waist that's sort of casual but real sweet and real professional, yeah. like, oh, I know him, I know yep. him, I know him. I was picturing all these people I know. Yep, yep that's that guy, you know. The guy with exactly. the locks, he was kind of chill. The guy with the yeah. long locks. And you realize he might still be a gangster, but all the way down to here, <laughs> he's patient. <laughs> right. And, and he's like, he's like low key running the world, just kind he of real, very real cash, people. real casually running the world. He's like, no, no, no. I own a couple of buildings. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, for real? And I'll call him and his, his name is actually B Lee. So I flipped it, but I'll, oh call, my God. I'll call B and I'll be like, where are you at? He's like, Africa. And I'm like, where are you yeah. in Africa? Looking at these lions and smoking his blood. Like, seriously. Like, you know, it's like, what? Like, I'm he's a great guy. I wanted, to, I wanted to pull him into it. I want to know him. When we do the second book. Yes. When we do the second book, let's get him. Oh, yeah. Let's get him. He's cool. Yes. He's, you guys are, he's such a cool person. I'm going to look up and you guys are going to be his friends. And I'm going to be like, oh, I'm with Shelly and Ann at the weed farm. So I was on the farm today. Oh, I got a flight true. tomorrow. I'm going to Barbados. Like, it's like, yeah. <laughs> We're already best friends. I'm already stealing that friend from you. <laughs> taking him. He's one of my favorite people. I had to catch him. Oh, my God. I was like, nobody's going to believe me. I have to describe him very well. You no. And the, the <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I have to say one of the things that I love about, and maybe it was fortuitous, maybe it was like a premonition, but the characters that I loved growing up, like when I think about being in the comedy, music, cannabis, activism mm-hmm. type world, those cool people that I grew up wanting to know where it's like, wait a minute, you run three companies, but you also spend a lot of time with a ukulele and a fatty, you know, I'm like, I, where are these folks, you know, and like, when I walk, they, yeah, <laughs> it's like, here they are. I know where they are now. I found my tribe, but <laughs> that, that's what I love about this book is the characters are this fun tribe, you know, this, and they, one thing I think you do well is it's like each group of people has their way of behaving towards each other. Like mm-hmm. this, this crew is like love, but a lot of inside jokes. And then mm-hmm. this crew is like bad blood from high school. And then this yeah. crew is like, those are my stepmoms, crazy new rich friends who don't know how to act and they make fun of them, you know? And it's such a fun picture to paint that you know, I always want to see my favorite episodic type little books like this be a show. You know, of course I want to see all these characters. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is that it really, you know, I think some of the best books are are those ones. And I just wrote in my one of my other book clubs, I just read a book like this where we were like, okay, who's going to play this person in the movie, you know, yeah. because it is so vivid. Um so yeah, uh, I, I I completely agree that yeah. 
and you know it's funny that you say that character too with the guy with the dreads I was like oh my god I totally know him and I (laughs) gravitated towards him in real life so um he's along with everybody like he's everybody's friend like he's just cool (laughs) yes yes where you're like you're a good blend of the whole world's good stuff (laughs) like it's just a good like some people have Detroit so he's still you know he's still capable Yeah, yeah. Um, gangster. If he has to, but if he does, he's like, I sure. don't want to get the chopper. Like he's so yeah. mad you're making him shoot you. Like I don't wanna. <laughs> I just <laughs> wanna chill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I was I was not in the mood to be gangster tonight. But if oh, you're yeah. gonna bring it out in me, it's yeah. it's there. You're just picking at it. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of sees that kindred spirit of the observer in Chelsea. You know, like he's definitely that one who is sitting back, watching everyone, trying to figure out the right move, kind of play it there, you know, and and very kind of, um, yeah, methodical and letting other people fuck up or like do, do well or whatever it might be. And, and yeah, that, that, um, a bit, bit removed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just a, a keen observer of, of human behavior. And he's the first person that doesn't judge her at all. So every other right. man in the book has some opinion about her. Some opinion. Lee B is the first one that's like, just do you. Be you. I don't care. Just do yeah. you, you know. So he's very accepting. I mean, Snap, obviously. But I mean, like, Carter has an opinion. The father has an opinion. They all kind of have an opinion. Yeah. Except for, you know, Adrian Gonzalez hates her, you know, and Romeo was like, she wasn't good enough, you know, so, and then Lee B's like, you're good just the way you are. Don't ever change. Yeah. It's I like you with your big belly. And hey. fun fact, fun fact, if you are pregnant, guys still hit on you. Like, yeah. Crazy. Okay. So just in case anybody was saying that wouldn't happen. Yes, it would. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Would. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other fetish that's yeah (laughs) they're like you're not gonna be pregnant forever (laughs) if you're listening if you're listening to reeds and weeds um and you would like a pregnant woman to read to you (laughs) i got you i'm sure i'm sure we can make a connection for you i'm sure we can make a connection oh my god oh i know oh i know well <laughs> my two pregnant friends have already given birth congratulations shout out jillian dewan and hannah Duckman. congratulations on your one Thank and you. two month old respective um what a strange thing what a world they're growing up in you're writing the book that they're going to read you know in 15 years and go oh of course this is what the world is like they're just going to know <laughs> they're just going to get it they're going to get it so um i wanted to ask you about uh your coming to know yourself as a writer and kind of deciding like that's it i'm going to write a novel like was this your first shot at it did you self-publish did you have a book club that you like tell me about that process of this book coming to be deciding Um, to write it i've been a writer since i was like in the fifth grade so okay i've always i've always experimented short stories poetry um i wrote a novel when i was in the 10th grade i don't know where it is because back then we didn't have like terabyte drives and stuff we didn't have flash yeah right somewhere above his basement 
that book is on a floppy disk, like the big floppy disk. Yes, so, yes. Um, I don't know. I'm assuming I'll never see it again. But it was something I wrote when I was a teenager. I'm sure it's, I'm sure I would die if I wrote it now. And then, <laughs> comedy, you know, comedy is, is writing. Comedy is yeah. 90% writing. Yeah. Um, and I have, you know, I wrote, I wrote screenplays. I ghost, I ghost wrote a movie and then I have a couple with my name on it. So it was just, um, I wanted to do something for me. And I, and I, you, and when you're in this business, you're thinking about like, what's my pitch? Like if I get, if I get in a meeting, what am I going to talk about? And I want to talk about something that was important to me, which is, um, uh, the uplifting of, of black women. So I was just yeah. like, um, I was like, I want, I wanted to create a character that uh, was unlikely, that nobody would see coming. And I still wanted it to be funny because I, I do love comedy and I do love to laugh. And honestly, I can't write serious for too long. I, I just, uh, I, even when I try, I'm just like, a joke will just come out. So yes. like, I wanted it to be a little lighter. Um, I wanted it to be like, like Monk. You know how Monk is really yes. funny? You know, yes. Monk is really funny. And, but at the same time, at the end of the day, he's, he's dealing with some serious mental illness issues, but yes. it's presented in a lighthearted way. But then there, there, there are dark moments where you feel really bad for him. And then the next moment you're laughing or whatever, or like psych. I like, like that house. Remember house? House is hilarious. Yeah. House. Yeah. It's so, so dark. Of- it's so dark and uncomfortable. But, it's but like- he's hilarious. He's, he's hilarious. hilarious. And even like uh, Poirot on the BBC, when they do Poirot, Poirot, again, he's very weird. He's not a likable person, but the mm-hmm. show is great. The mm-hmm. series is great. And Agatha Christie, I don't know if she got if she got somebody's. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody came forward and was like, yeah, she used to kill people. As, that's how she's <laughs> learned how to write mysteries. Because in order to do it, her mind had to be so dark. Her, her murders are yeah. so meticulous. I say the same thing about James Patterson. I'm like, he got to be killing people. You gotta practice killing people to know how to kill people. <laughs> sure, <laughs> they sure. They do it too well. They just do it too well. Mm. I did. I had a friend that so was. Well. Uh, he was the interim chief of police in Detroit, Ralph Gabby. Um, he was. I think he was chief until the new chief came in. And he and I were on the phone for like two hours one day, and he just. I asked him every stupid police procedure question I could ask. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so what happens if you find a body in a closet at a record studio? What, what do we do? And he was like, oh, well, the first the cop's going to do this, then the cop's going to do that. And he was just so open with it. And we talked about, yeah. and we talked about, I was like, I said, I got a, I got a cop who's kind of half-assed. Like, he, like, he's there, but he don't really give a fuck. He's like, oh, it's a buggy to them. They don't really, they come to crime scenes and they're just like, okay, whatever. And they'll just throw the first person that they think is a suspect under the bus or they'll, they'll half-collect yeah. evidence. Because, it's, it's screw-ups at every job. Why wouldn't it be screw-up homicide detectives? Of course. So it's like, yeah, yeah, we got to clean up. Yeah, we're always cleaning up after those guys. And they, they're trampling on, they're, they're, you know, contaminating evidence. So I was like, well, okay, that's cool. So I can have a, I can have a detective that isn't good at being a detective. Yeah. Whatever. So that kind of makes sense why you would, because the, the obvious question is, why do you need Chelsea? Why can't the police do it? And the police don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? They're just, they're, yeah. just doing, they're phoning it in or whatever. And then, you know, he, he, I asked him, when does forensics come? Because all I know is what I see on television. And I know television yeah. is mostly contrived. So I was like, okay, so like on Law & Order, they asked for DNA, cut to next scene. They got DNA. He's like, yeah, no, nah, DNA takes like a month. And I'm like, oh, okay. So you, you know, just get DNA the next day? He's like, nah, you don't get DNA the next day. And I was like, okay, well, yeah. what you know? Throw that one away. <laughs> so we had yeah. a really good conversation. And I actually... Um, dedicated. He was one of the people I dedicated the book to because he helped me out a lot. 
you know, yeah. you know, I was worried about the people that would be like, this is fake. It's always worried about the, the comments, right. the comments. Yes, yes. It was real fake. How, I'm in law enforcement and it's fake. Like, I didn't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. those guys. And you got to be like, Anybody that says something is fake, it's like you think your experience in that is the only experience in the yeah. world. Like, that's not the way concert life is, or that's not the way yeah. comedy life is. It's like, it might be for somebody yeah. that's not <laughs> you. Just, you're not the only example of, you know, it's ridiculous. But um, there was a, I'm trying to think of something about that. It's weird to say I love that crime, but that crime of the music studio and the insurance, mm -hmm. that was such a fun twist, such a fun twist. And I wondered if you heard about something like that or was that just fun to make up? Um, okay, so before I was a comedian, I was in corporate and I was a marketing director uh, mm -hmm. for a Fortune 400 company. So I was surrounded by white male millionaires. And yeah. I saw the way they were moving. I wanted to capture the swag of mm -hmm. those men, but then twist it. So yeah. I know we have a habit of seeing men, men that work at Ford that have expense accounts that, you know, they're at the Henry and, you know, yes. they're, they're Ford or, or they're Chrysler or they're GM and they're high up. They're the reason that Oakland County is the fourth wealthiest county in the country because it's that much money. Yeah. You know? Yes. And, but, we never think for a minute they might not be all that they're presenting themselves to be. We just we see we see a we see a black man get out of a Mercedes. We think he's a drug dealer. We see a white man get out of a Mercedes. We think he's CEO, president. He's something. Right. It could be the other way around. You know I mean? Oh yeah. And that's what I wanted to show. I wanted to, and I wanted to, I wanted to uh, create a character for Miss Madeline's kids because at the end of the day, if she hit the lottery, her kids are going crazy. They're just idiots. And I wanted to yeah. make sure we had a character that just represented the foolishness that would come out of going from broke to rich overnight. Yeah. And so I, I came up with the character of Rashad. And Rashad is a lot of guys I know in Detroit. They, they've got some money now. they got some money now. And they're, yeah. just, doing, they're just doing stupid stuff with it. Just like right. Just right. another $15,000 chain. Another? Another diamond bracelet? Another. Right, and they, they really have no purpose other than to just show everybody they have money, and they're just they're like peacocks, and, yeah. and, and and to some people they're a pigeon. These are the guys that that girls see coming, and they're like, "He's gonna pay my rent this month." He doesn't even know, you know what I mean? They, they're preyed upon. They're preyed yes. upon. And I wanted to create a character like that, and I wanted him to be hilarious. I just wanted him to be hilarious, unlike her other yeah. kids, which which were more serious. Rashad is the one that when the reader sees him coming, I want them to. Like in future books, I want to go, oh, here comes Rashad. Something crazy is about to happen. Right, right. Oh, he done so bought he, a hovercraft. <laughs> yeah, he bought a helicopter. You know, so it's just like, you know, <laughs> yeah. just because he just doesn't know mm -hmm. uh, what to do. And his relationship with Carter and Chelsea being contingent upon the love he has for their father, which kind of yeah. irritates them a little bit. Because in book two, he calls, he calls their dad, daddy. And then they're just like, stop calling my daddy, daddy. It's not your daddy. It's my daddy. <laughs> Because right. he's a grown man. He's a grown-ass man. This is not a grown-ass man. But he's got a great, he's he's a great character. I think all these characters would be really fun to play, like, because they're so fun and complicated, you know. Mm -hmm. I have to know if Chelsea's head tilt scrunch face is your head tilt scrunch face. No. It is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. No, it's, it's probably my sister, my grandmother. 
My grandmother okay. had this thing where my sister tilts her head. It, it should just be like, that's her resting face. And we found an old picture of my grandmother from like 1829 or some shit. <laughs> like, it, was so, it was so old. It was brown. It wasn't black and white. It was like brown. It was old. And she's probably, yeah, she's, yeah, it was like sepia. Yeah. Sepia. And she's with, my, uh, she's with my grandfather on the day they got married. And she's like 22 or something. And her head is just kind of cocked. And we were like, ah, that's where Nikki gets this from. So that, the head took maybe, maybe it's just like a nod to my grandma. But um, I don't, it's not, that's not when she's being smart. My sister just like, if you look over her, her face will just be like that. You're like, trick your neck out. Like, you look crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I think about, I think about that way you know your friend. It's a great way, like the fact that Snap knows the head tilt scrunch face. Um, It's a great way to write how well two friends know each other. Yeah. If you know someone really well, you're like, I know that face. That means you're up to something. You know, you can see it and you just need the little like, and I picture her being like suspicious, but like also snarky, kind of like I know what's going on, you know, but if you, don't know her, if you don't know her, you can't see it, but Snap knows yeah. her. He's like, you know who did it. He can see yeah, it. Yeah, he, he, knew, he, knew, he knew she knew. Right? Yeah. That's when exactly. her mind is working. That's her little calculation. Yeah. It's That's great when she's character. lost in thought and she doesn't realize she's looking stupid. Like, have you ever been lost in thought? And then you just like, somebody's like, close your mouth. <laughs> like, Most of the time. Ninety <laughs> percent of the time, I'm like, <laughs> right. I think that's most. That's my resting, like, yeah, one right. thing. You like, huh? Your resting yeah. brilliant face. Yeah, my- <laughs> your resting brilliant face. That's a good word. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. I was gonna say like stoned in bewilderment. Oh, speaking <laughs> of speaking of resting bewilderment face. I went to the, I'm going to take a, take a break here from the book and go into a little cannabis news for a second, but this is actually psychedelic society news. So the Detroit psychedelic society, um, conference was this weekend and oh my God. Oh my God. So I think Heather Okay, so all these characters that I was reading about, and then I go to the Detroit Psychedelic Conference, they were mostly there. So just saying, there was like the, da- the the dreadlock guy and the dandy. It was like, oh, they're all here. I know all these people. And, um, and it was such a cool group of people. And we've all been to conferences. You were in marketing. You've been like, we've been to conferences where it's like how to triple your sales in six months. Yeah. I mean, like shit like that, right? The the breakout sessions, right? yes. <laughs> so the breakout <laughs> sessions at this conference were called things like intergalactic galactic cellular unity on psilocybin and wow. how to That's connect lovely. with how to connect with your ancient wisdom. <laughs> you know, like that was the name of one breakout session another one would be, <laughs> another one would be like reigniting your inner elf with sacred plants wow. you know oh my god it was mind blowing so reigniting your inner elf <laughs> i think that was legitimately the name of one of the i i bought an onk that i now have i'll show it to you hold hold tight the onk of everything I, the onk so you not officially woke until you got an onk well, <laughs> I think we can all agree that the the shit is hitting the fan on our planet. 
Maya, the Mayans. That we, we all know, because we're gathering our tribes, that you need a good intergalactic spiritual battle home team that you need to gather up, you know? The war and of the Middle Earth. They're going to need <laughs> that, that was really meticulously, that was handmade too, wasn't it? Look at this. Yeah. Look at it. No, the stones that are picked out, like the the way the wires are, and, and one somebody of the speakers. Had, somebody made that with their hand. Oh yeah, they were making yeah. them there. It was so beautiful, so beautiful. Like when and when you hold it, you know. So they were explaining this. She told this story, and I've never heard anybody tell a story like this. Where this woman told the story of her name was Acacia. She looks fifteen. Um, I think maybe she's thirty. I don't know, but she seems like seventeen hundred years old. <laughs> you know, one of those people where you're like. She's a tree, basically. She's you've, you've obviously time traveled for a millennia. You just met me. I'm in like your seventh lifetime, and you're very aware that I'm from. You're like, you know, people would say things like, oh, I remember you. You know, you're in this big crowd of people, and you're thinking, oh, I wonder if we've met before. And they go like, oh, no, no, no. I mean, like 10 years ago when I did 15 grams of psilocybin, and we met in the desert of, you know, like, they remember you from 10 lifetimes ago. Anyway, she's telling this story about doing, doing battle and bringing in like your inter-spiritual technology sort of to focus your energy. And this was why I bought the Ankh. Anyway, there's that. The other thing I wanted to get your opinion the on. Amazing. The Ankh is amazing. Yes. And then you got to hold it. It's beautiful. So, My friend Juana has some Ankh earrings. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, they make necklaces. Well, when you wear some Ankh well, earrings, nobody <laughs> says anything stupid to you. You understand what I'm saying? Like, nobody bothers you. Nobody, <laughs> nobody <laughs> says anything dumb. This would be you a little heavy. heavy. They're coming down to here. Nobody's bothering you. <laughs> it's a nobody's nose ring. Like, hey, baby. It's an eyebrow. you crazy. It's an eyebrow ring. I don't want to wear a mask. Not to you. They're not bothering you. You're not getting any of the raw shit. <laughs> you know? When you see someone, when you see someone clearing their space with an onk, you just sort of, you're not getting harassed. (laughs) You're you're sporting an onk. You're nobody's gonna fuck with you. It's like the big shot. Many times I've seen it. I've seen her walk, and people just move out of her way, and I'm like, it's weird. She's my woke okay. friend. Yeah. She's in book two. She's in book two. Oh, cool, cool. Okay, so <laughs> so um, speaking of things that change the world, uh, I was looking at cannabis news before I got on here, and they're passing packages. You know, Republicans and Democrats are trying to write packages that are financially to, to help the country overcome. And this week, the Democrats tried to put through something that the Republicans criticized because it contained too much cannabis allowances, basically. So they, it was it was basically, I think what the Democrats were trying to do, and I can put these articles in the notes or something. I think what they were trying to pass was like, because we're trying to do criminal justice reform and economic reform right now, those are the big topics. 
cannabis is a big part of both of those, like getting legislation through that lifts records and expunges records Mm -hmm. and also gives people jobs and can like put a tax base into communities where there's not a tax base. It Mm -hmm. makes sense. In my mind, it makes perfect sense that cannabis reform would have everything to do with criminal justice reform and Mm -hmm and financial reform right like Mm -hmm. it just makes sense but it this article made me realize that there's whole swaths of the country that would never consider that making a drug decriminalized and legal would be fixing criminal justice and infusing communities with financial aid so much it's it's so intertwined so i have to read you this quote Um, i feel like it probably was the same way during prohibition I was going to probably say, was exactly yeah. the same way. Prohibition fed communities. Yeah, same thing. Prohibition yeah. kept people eating. Yeah. And then the then the companies took over when they legalized it, and all the people that were making money on the streets got cut out. Corporations took over and ran with it. Yeah. Oh, but there was also there. I think some. I did the Bourbon Trail in Kentucky a couple of years ago, and it's always something that I've wanted to look into more. And that one of the one of the um, distilleries I went into made the connection between the Great Depression and Prohibition. That actually, mm-hmm. because they made alcohol illegal, all of the that money that was being produced by that industry. Mm-hmm. Made, Obviously, as we all know, there was plenty that continued on illegally, but um, that, that that prohibition actually cost a shit ton of money. That it was like financially awful, you know. Mm-hmm. And just, it still is. Yeah, well, right. It still it is. Still and, is. And, and <laughs> yeah. Exactly what if you people would look at history of what prohibition does. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so because this is something we talk about a lot, this was my favorite quote. So this is from MJ Biz Daily, and um, it takes it state by state. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. That's It's from MarijuanaMoment.net. So the title of the article is White House Slams Cannabis Banking in Dim COVID Bill. That's the name of it. It's from Marijuana Moment. And my favorite quote from this, it kind of goes through and gives you quotes from, you know, Senator John Corwin of Texas, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana. You know, it's sort of quoting all these people. And this one is very interesting. Alabama Democratic congressional candidate Kiani Gardner tweeted, I don't have strong feeling about marijuana, but at least once a day, I get furious thinking about U.S. pot laws that make mostly white millionaires in one state and tear apart mostly black families in another. Turns out I have really strong feelings about marijuana. (laughs) So she it, it was a perfect quote, because if you're not thinking about that, if you're not thinking about the fact that there's multi state operators making certain people rich who just got into the game yeah. in the last couple of years. Like two years ago, they were making T-shirts or mm-hmm. auto parts or what the fuck ever. And they're just like, wait, wait, there's money over here and this thing that I used to vote against constantly. I'm going to get yeah. into it. And if that doesn't bug you a little bit, the fact that there's people making money off of something and people sitting in jail for it, it's so infuriating. I mean, there's plenty of ways to do things about that. You can... Uh, there's last the last prisoner project. We can put a link to that um, in the show. 
Last Prisoner Project is worth looking into, Free Michael Thompson. Um, there's a lot of ways to look up ways that you can help with that because, and if you're, you know, this is a voting year, if you don't understand what your candidates think about expungement and, and things like that, it's yeah. worth looking into because it affects everything else. Um, I mean, I really, yeah. I really think there's a big mirror that you could hold up, especially coming from Detroit because we're an international border town, which means we've yeah. always had contraband since the beginning of whatever contraband was. We've always had it. Because mm -hmm. um, Canada's always been liberal and the United States has always been strict. So in the, in the 20s, the Jewish mob, the Purple Gang, was uh, taking kegs of, of bootleg liquor and they had a pulley system and they would pull it underneath the water on the Detroit River. And that's how they would transport it. So they were transporting the whole Midwest and they were feeding the community because they were, they were feeding the black community and their community. Um, and everybody was eating and prospering and thriving until they legalized it. Until they legalized it. Everything was thriving until they were until they legalized yeah. it. And and you can see, you know, you, you hear stories and this Bugsy Siegel and this one and this one. They were yeah. they were selling bootleg liquor and some of them died in jail. And some of them got out of jail and some of them died. You know what I mean? So it was and just got murdered because the game is, is cutthroat. So it's yeah. I think it's a I think it's a huge, a huge uh, comparison there of basically the same thing. People, you know, bootleg liquor was 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 against the law, but rich people, celebrities, politicians, they had gin at their parties. So it was like, wow. okay, you guys go, you guys are buying bootleg liquor and imprisoning people. And the people that were against it, the teetotalers, they were they were very devout. There was yes. no gray area for them. They were very devout. So we don't see the the devotion to anti cannabis that we had maybe forty years ago. You don't see that anymore. Everybody's kind of like, who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? So I'm not a smoker, but I don't care who smokes. Right. That's, that's the thing. Like me. So I'm yeah, like and the generation that they kind of, my mother used to say, my mother's a perfect example. She yeah. used to say when I was a teenager, my mother used to say weed was a gateway drug. Like she was one of those weed today, crack tomorrow. Yes, and yes, I'd be yes. like, wow. Even at 14, yeah. I was like, I don't think that's right, mom. mom You're mother, like, mom, I don't understand yet. How right, marketing like, works, but I think you're being the same. Right, I was listening to Snoop Dogg real heavy back in those days. We, yeah. you know, weed was weed, 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 and hip hop kind of came together, and it was kind of yeah. like, no, weed is just weed. It's not a lot of that. And my mother, about a month ago, she has a really bad knee pain, and mm -hmm. she was taking cannabis oil, and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all the grief, all the grief you gave us on the weed, you got some weedy oil on your knee. You know what though? It's 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 it. Whenever I think about we got to be done with education, like I'm like everybody knows. Truly, yeah. everybody knows, right? Do I? We have to keep educating. And then you read, like if you read that report from MarijuanaMoment.net, it's it's remembering that there's pockets all around the country where people are just no. You know, they're just yeah, like they yeah. don't want to. They don't want to think about it as a plant that God created. Yeah. They don't. What? The devil's lettuce. <laughs> it is. The devil's lettuce. It's the devil's, the devil's lettuce. lettuce, and it goes but good with those a, are really those are those <laughs> are the same community that, that don't want integration. Those that's that's like the footloose towns. You know, kids can't dance. You know, like that to me is that's kids those can't are dance. Those no, it's, are problematic it's, for a lot of reasons. Well, I, mean, I used to be on the road. I used to call them footloose towns. Footloose towns. I'd be like, I'm in footloose town. Like this yeah. 
I'm like, yeah. I've got to go. I got to hurry up and drive through. They're not going to let me stay. They're not going to let me cuss on stage. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm just I am not, first of all, I could not get through one sentence without cussing, so, like, I might be <laughs> Also, I'm way less funnier if I'm not, you know. Sure. It's good Shopping sometimes. Right? Punch it out. Okay, I, uh, punch I it out. When you're you a role comic, you learn the country, because you you, you, we tend to think we nah. know what it is. And it's like, ah, oh, no, you need, to, you need to go up to Michigan. Go up a little higher. Go past the yeah. city. It's a little different. A little different. Yeah. <laughs> And so to me, those, those communities are very closed-minded. They're not exposed. And, and more importantly, these will be the same communities where the mayor and the, and the city council will be like, no drugs. And then the kids will be having a whole sex ring that they'll be like, we don't oh, know sure. all day. You know? <laughs> like, oh, sure. Putting vodka tampons in their assholes. Right. It's, it's, it's a whole <laughs> right. Kind of like, you guys have no idea what your kids are doing. Oh, 14 That's kids true. dead from over I'm shocked. <laughs> right. Or they have an <laughs> HIV outbreak. Like, fuck yeah. You know what? Or like, remember the gonorrhea in the throat thing? Remember when all the kids were getting gonorrhea in the throat? <laughs> no, <laughs> it was like a whole thing with like, the teenagers in America because they didn't think that they could, they didn't think they were having sex because they were just getting head, right. but they were getting um, gonorrhea in their throats. Yeah. Oh, guys, I think I say it once a day, but I just need to confirm that Americans might be the dumbest motherfuckers right. in the world. <laughs> and I guarantee hey, you, world. That's, that's, the, that's the girl whose father. That's the girl whose father. We're trying. Like, oh, my daughter won't be having sex. Oh, my daughter won't play with the black kids. Like that's that guy. That's the guy whose daughter had gonorrhea throw. Throw. <laughs> it's always like Heather. That. Like, it's always Heather. That. We're that country. We're that country that changes the first two letters of a perfectly spelled business to be misspelled. <laughs> Just to piss me off. <laughs> don't you change both those C's to K's. I see you. Please what don't make it country. Country, maybe country chicken, but both with K's. Fuck you. <laughs> Claire, I don't know if I've expressed this to you before, but when a but when a when a business I speak Arabic, so that's a chicken. Chicken. <laughs> no, Claire, here's what you need to know about me. If you ever want to really piss me off, text me a business who has changed their name so it's now misspelled to be like clever or folksy. I will, I will fly off in a rage. Um, so I have to tell you, Heather, um, what you were talking about with so a fun book that we did on the show, which may maybe you've read because it seems like some. Have you read the, the World According to Fanny Davis? No, I'm looking it up. Oh my God, the World According to Fanny Davis is about my mother's life in Detroit numbers. So that one was about how the um, black market uh, running the numbers in Detroit was how a lot of Detroit built wealth, and she Love. grew up being a well-off little girl that lived in a nice house because her mother ran the numbers and, mm -hmm. she, and, and her telling of the story of her mother running the numbers and then kind of the way, and then it, you know, it, all of a sudden it was legalized and all of a sudden you could go into any gas station and do it. And the same people that were trying to yeah, put them yeah. in jail and shut them down are now making money. And it's the same story. It's oh, the lottery the definitely story. sold the numbers. Yeah. The lottery Definitely. Yeah. And here's what's really funny. I That's was watching, the book. I was, I, yeah, I just pulled it up. 
I was watching, yeah. um, a, you know how you watch those crime shows? Like, I love, like, you know, City Confidential and yes, yes, stuff yes. like that. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a 1950s documentary about this woman that killed this man. And it was the whole story of the murder. But it was all set against this town in Florida that the whole town was basically running the number. But they called it something different down there because it had kind of a, a Creole kind of a thing to it. And it was whites and blacks coming together to run these numbers. So it was not a racial divide at all. Everybody was a part of it. The the oh, mayor, cool. the, the town doctor, everybody was a part of this. The money, the money that was coming from the numbers. And it was never presented. You know, I'm watching the documentary 60, 70 years later. It's never presented as if that was the problem. It was like, well, the murder had nothing. No, the murder was just the murder. But it was like, yeah, everybody was pretty much. And just the casual attitude they all had about, yeah, yeah he was the doctor. Uh, he was our town doctor. We loved him. And, you know, you could go and play your number. You know? <laughs> yeah. You go to the yeah. doctor and play your number. And yeah. it was like, when I think about how they present it, how, the, how Hollywood presents the numbers, it's always dark, seedy. Yeah. Something wrong. It was like, no, guys, everybody played. The, it wouldn't have been lucrative if only a few people were doing it. It, it was right. like a lot of it. And then you hear, yeah. you know, Michigan State, that $70 million. And of course it's $70 million. So that was the money that was in, again, in the community. Right. And it's a fun, it's a fun connection. Like I think the reason why you would love the Fannie Mae Davis thing is, well, it was a great book. We all love this book, her characters. And it's, it's kind of like an homage to her mother. Like you love her yeah. mother. You, you love that kind of woman. We, we all loved the characters and, and it's a bi biography, autobiography kind of, Yeah. but also the main, one of the main characters in your book and she sets up all these different relationships is Maddie. Mm -hmm. who, we learn so much about her life and then she yeah. ends up winning the lottery. And it's so yeah. interesting because she's like a great history of Detroit. She's like a little yeah. girl who, who goes to work for a family and is liked by the family, but then they move yeah. away and then, you know, and then she has money all of a sudden and you know how she comes up and how she's kind of like that history that is linked to the Fannie Mae Davis history. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was such yeah. a cool, like, how both those books that I've read acknowledge his like Detroit as is, but also mm -hmm. like how shit changes, you know, yeah. abruptly or, you know, so it, it, one of the things that I love about this book is, um, the way people there's, there's many different perspectives on how people see their job and their money. Mm -hmm. And, it's so interesting. There's like the girl at the brunch who she wants Very to be, yeah. yeah, she wants to be bougie, you know, yeah. and we all know that girl who like the baby, the baby shower outfit is super important. And like her Instagram account is super important. Yeah. Her dog and her fingernails and like what name she drops is super important. Yeah. And then there's other people who just don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. They can yeah. be rich. They can be whatever. And they don't give a shit. You know, they're just like, well, whatever. It's money. You can have some if you want it. Like, I don't care. Here it is. Like, it's, I think, um, I think that's really important that you said that because um, I wasn't really thinking. I just, uh, I just wanted to capture that, you know, the bougie girl. I wanted to make yeah. sure she could real. She's real. But when I was growing up in the city, you know, rappers would rap about liquor. 
and everything was expensive. You know, crystal, champagne, and and yeah. these. And then when I started working for millionaires, and we would have outings, they would be drinking Jack Daniels and and, and Jim yeah. Bean, and, and it was like, oh, you guys don't drink crystal? And they're like, no, we what the fuck, like, yeah. <laughs> they're like, no, we drink like, Coors Light. Yeah, yeah, they're drinking, they're drinking anything you can get out the liquor store. Right. Um, or they're drinking bottom shelf. They're drinking. Yes. Shelf. <laughs> they're like, get as much as you can and a 40. Yeah. yeah. And okay. some Doritos. Yeah. And I know. I had to learn. Like, I had to see that in real time or else I wouldn't have believed it. Because I was like, no, rich people, they do this. It's like, no, rich people, they, they act a lot like you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I realized? They just pay attorneys to fix their mistakes. Like where, where is the where is the where is the black guy? You know he gets pulled over. Something goes crazy. It's it's going wrong one way. The white guy gets pulled over and he ends up with fifteen thousand dollar DUI. You know. <laughs> oh my god! It's just not discussed. It's too real. It's like they're all, you know they all have DUI. Yeah. It's too real. It's too real. <laughs> and and to bring that up and makes company sometimes it's like, well you know well why did he get arrested and you're like. Because he's not white. <laughs> what do you mean? Surely we all know this by now. How could you even ask that? I don't understand why you have to ask that anymore. But you know what's interesting is what I learned when I moved to Ann Arbor, which is sort of similar, I guess, is I moved to Michigan from the South. And in Ann Arbor, yeah. it's like I knew there was a lot of money. But I remember yeah. I was working at some restaurant and some guy comes in and like Birkenstocks and you know, corduroys and like a, a flannel and he's sort of got like mustard on it and he's shaggy. And you find out later that he developed an app. Yeah. Like some sort of met he invented like a heart valve or something. You're yeah. like, what the fuck? This like internationally known, he's written papers yeah. that have changed the medical industry. <laughs> he's just he's just sort of yeah. cash, you know, barbecue sandwich eating dad. <laughs> like Zero flash. He always has like dog hair on his coat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like that Midwestern rich that like yeah. you're like, oh, you would never That's know. It's That's not true. a Miami or the, rich. Uh, or the guy that works at the plant and he makes thirty dollars an hour and he he's yeah. never not worked sixty hours a week. And when right. you see him, you you don't know that he made two hundred thousand dollars making cars on the line. That's <laughs> yeah. you're just like. And then you yeah. come to his house, it's like a boat in the back. You're like, oh, you got a boat. Oh, yeah, I make, you know, I'm, I'm a, yeah. I'm, 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 what do they call it? Special trades at Chrysler. I'm special trades. So I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. You make a lot of money, but you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't no. Know. <laughs> no. I love those kind of people. I love those I kind know. of people. I do think they're like, to the Midwest, too. I, I think that's really a Midwest thing. It's an interesting thing. Or it's like a... It's a, or it's a farm thing. Like even cause I used to sell door to door and you said, you got to go out there and like do comedy. So yeah. my intro into like the world that you see in everybody's house was selling things door to door. And when I lived in LA, I was knocking on doors. Right. Mm -hmm. So suddenly you get this glimpse of like, Oh, this family goes and visits their dad at jail. On, yeah. I, you know, I can't come like I had it written in my notebook, come back a different day. Yeah. They, have, they have like jail visitation just like oh, okay that's how they're growing up and then another family <laughs> you know another family is like you realize that they fled their homeland and he mm. used to be a sheik or something but they yeah. fled their war but you walk into their house 
and it looks like a different, you walk into their pink stucco track house and you walk in and there's like gilded furniture (laughs) and heavy (laughs) curtains and like incense burning, (laughs) you know, I love that shit. You're like, oh, okay. (laughs) So you guys brought Things are not what they seem. Things are not what they, the media does a really good job of brainwashing us. The the media has us thinking America looks one way. It's like America looks nothing like what you know. I love the description of the Florida house. The description yeah. of decorating the Florida house. I'm like, I have so been in that house where you're like, no money. <laughs> no money. No money. No money. No money. You're like, really? You got like a dragon fountain in the living yeah. room. <laughs> my mother, my mother had a friend and her brothers wrote for Motown. And they had a big mansion on Seven Mile in Livernois in Sherwood Forest. And we would go over there, and it was the most decadent house oh, yeah. that I've ever seen in my life on Seven Mile in the middle yeah. of Detroit. But it was yeah. it was like a maid's quarters. It was a penthouse rooftop, and it was right. high ceiling. But the brothers had moved to L.A., and they were doing something different. They gave their sister their house. So she didn't, she didn't work for Motown, so it would always be real cold because they couldn't have any heat on. Like, it was just weird. <laughs> 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 no groceries. Like it was just like you're eating. <laughs> you're eating Captain Crunch but it was out like, of a gold bowl. I remember they had gold Venetian blinds. It was just like, and over my mother's like, Venetian blinds are gold. You know what I mean? Everybody just thinking that was so sweet. It was like, but the house was cold. Because they can't afford to heat the mansion on their salary. <laughs> She's got pizza rolls in the microwave. Right. <laughs> but and then you would just come off because you go down Livernois and it, it would look, you know, UAD district where the houses get a little bigger and nicer, but not like this. And then you cut down a side street and it was just mansions. Yeah. And then you walk inside and they were very decadent, but they were not, they were still new money. So they were not yeah. they were not home and garden mansions. They were I like that. I'm gonna put that up. Oh, yeah. I'll get that girl. It was put that chandelier right there. It was that kind of Yeah, thing. you know what? I heard your design. They like they heard Beyonce had one, so they just yeah. bought one. <laughs> it was definitely it was definitely that kind of like I heard Diana Ross. Yeah, that's this is like when everybody wants to be Diana Ross and Smokey, right? Yeah. I heard Diana Ross had it. Whatever. My mother called her like Motown generation. So yeah. like, but I remember everybody making over their house. And, and and people asking them, like, hey, can I have my party here? Because their house was old. Oh, yeah. Fabulous. It was like old, fabulous, but it was also very new money. And when I think about it, it was like, that house was so weird. That house oh, had sure. a maid quarters. I like, bet there was, I bet there, somewhere in the house, I bet there was like a pink and gold diamond pattern. Do you know what I mean? Like mirrors? Yeah, and metallic. And Velvet, maybe on a staircase or something like and up then, the wall. I don't know about I don't know about how you guys grew up. Um, I, I can only know it's my culture. When somebody had some nice shit, you couldn't sit on it or touch it. So there were always <laughs> these museum rooms. So it was just like that. Oh, your living room is shop, girl. But can't nobody go in there. So no. <laughs> covered in clear <laughs> plastic. That's the original couch. That couch was five hundred dollars, but can't nobody sit on it. And, it, and that, I remember her living room was like off limits and it was like a den with a pool table and everybody just thought this was so like, oh my God. Right, thinking back, right. Like that house was ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> you, were, you were like, I don't know how you grew up, so I'm going to give you three things to put in your mind. Are you ready? Okay. Thing one is wagon wheel table. <laughs> thing one. So picture a barrel cut in half with a wagon wheel over it with a plexiglass top. That's visual one. Visual two. 
visual <laughs> is um, like a half barrel bar slash encyclopedia set holder. So picture oh, a big barrel, <laughs> big barrel cut in half. Mm -hmm. And there's some okay. Funkin' Wagnalls encyclopedia, not a complete set. You got, them, <laughs> you got them with grocery store coupons, but also a couple of bottles of liquor. Right, right, right. It's the same in there, mixed in. So that's the thing too. <laughs> and then like a pale green refrigerator. That, the, oh yeah, the, the green uh, oven. I think that's all you need to know. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I do remember the, uh, remember the refrigerators. I do remember yeah. the ugly green and the yellow. It was like green or yellow. Yeah, yeah. And that was that's the whole thing coming out of the 70s, yeah. Except also one more picture. The, the kitchen wallpaper was like printed with like stacks of jars. Right. Oh. So can you picture like our wallpaper looks like stacked jars of vegetables? That wagon wheel dining room table. I'm done. It was hot. It was hot. Uh huh. So there you go. There's that picture. Um, that reminds me of '70s television. Mm, oh, that reminds me of like Christy McNichol. Like. <laughs> I said and put my bowl of fruit loops on that wagon wheel table and watched after-school specials where right. I was concerned about Christy McNichols' safety. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for that girl. She's got a page boy haircut and she is crying her ass off. Get her in the car. Oh, oh my Claire, God. I feel, like, uh, I feel like we lost you, Claire. Are we still <laughs> She's with us. She's with us. She's with us. Uh, we, we grew up in a really weird time. Somebody told, I read something that said our generation of, of, um, of Xennial or something, uh, Generation X, is um, we're weird because we were born analog but became digital. So, like, we remember shit like Christy McNichol, and we also <laughs> have, like, every app on an iPhone 11. Yeah, like, we're both. My older we're broker. Like a weird age. Yeah. yeah. My yeah. Older, like, some of it is... Fitting, and then I'm like, I know I know that name, but I don't really know what. Well, if, if you had, because okay, you have to understand, we didn't have cable, we didn't have cable in Detroit until like '89. So yeah. like regular TV was just whatever they gave us. So that's what we were into. And Christy McNichol was like, she was like the after school special. She was on everything. She was just on every TV guy cover. She was just she was adorable. Little Bob, she was real cute, little freckles. <laughs> And then she grew up. Oh my God, she was fucking. Away. She was America's sweetheart. Yeah, she was. She was. She was. She was. She was your tennis star. She was the child next door that you were concerned was being abused. Yeah. She was selling Girl Scout cookies. She was on a milk carton. This chick yeah, was, was everywhere. Everything. Her best friend committed suicide, and she had a cold. <laughs> she was. She, was she went through it all. She was on the cover of every teen magazine. Oh, all the and then we got cable and nobody cared anymore. <laughs> we got cable and was like, oh, we got a lot of time. Like, oh, we don't need that. Yeah. So, so, but here's the thing. You were talking about houses where you want to have a party. Mm -hmm. A, if we could get access to that house that you were talking about, <laughs> I would really <laughs> like to have a party there. And also Claire, the house that she grew up in. It's also a cool place to have a party. Her parents oh invited me over for, yes. What was it? It was like, it was they do a New Thanksgiving, Year's New, Year's, yeah. New Year's Day. I went to a New Year's Day brunch at Claire's house, mm -hmm. and it was kind of posh. It was like, yeah. it was nice cocktails. Somebody was passing a plate with like right. delicious. <laughs> it 
it was probably like, my cousin, my aunt, it, or whatever. But yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't know how you grew up, but Claire's relatives were sitting around going, Claire, tell us what are your plans for the next couple of years? Have you decided? And I'm like, what the <laughs> <fuck is> going on? <laughs> Do, do your relatives care about your life? <laughs> is that what I'm hearing here? <laughs> you know, so. Well, tell us your life plan over brunch on New Year's Day. <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> I wish my family was like that. <laughs> I, might, I might have pulled Claire outside to smoke a joint and like, so is this something you guys just do? You just, <laughs> Are you guys like this for real? Like they care about yeah. your decisions and are you for real? <laughs> it was amazing. I was My so enchanted. My grandmother would have been something similar. My grandmother used to cook the next day after being drunk. Like you, you could always go eat the next day. Yeah. And she could she could cook really good and you'd be over there. But it wouldn't be like, what are you doing? It would be like, I know you ain't doing that dumb shit. Like it would have been more crazy. <laughs> like, so you still dating that ugly guy? Like it would have been that. It would be like, oh god. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you could definitely go eat. Yeah. <laughs> Some people are just good at hosting. You know, some people are just, and they kind of build homes around the life they like. Over. My mom used to have people over, so. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She's good at it. Shout out Claire's mom. Yeah. Shout out to Claire's mom. You know, I always and her birds on that. New Year's Day. Well, plus my, my brother is in the food industry, so there's always lots of delicious food. And I worked as a bartender, so I usually influence the uh, cocktail situation. Right. Um, you guys are perfect. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. No, what you were talking about, that house, it reminds me. My best friend from Michigan uh, was from Detroit. She grew up mm -hmm. in Indian Village. Mm -hmm. So same kind of houses. Yeah. I remember one. I don't know. I think it's in the spring, but there's um, a house tour of Indian Villages mm -hmm. houses tour. And some one one year, I got roped into being a docent. Mm -hmm. And so I basically had quick, to uh, quick definition, please, for the word docent, real quick, will you? <laughs> for the lay people fucking stand there and like not say shit but i felt obligated to be like welcome to the, the bedroom, this is bedroom. <laughs> but it was really fucking creepy because there was it was like it wasn't it was the like a dressing room kind of yeah. so there was like a a sh not a chaise. What do they call those? Like a fainting couch, kind of. Uh, you know? Oh, thank God! I always faint while dressing. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to zip <laughs> stuff up. <laughs> okay. We need to bring fainting back. There's we need to bring fainting back. We lost control of the game. We stopped fainting, women. Just so you know, we ha we had men right in the palm of our hands, and we would be like, "What'd you say?" <laughs> we started going, "Huh? What? Well, explain to me," and then we lost. <laughs> We just we just passed out. We had control. We had him right here, right here. <laughs> well, I almost did pass out because it was full of dolls. Oh, oh God! Oh, <laughs> also, I felt for the nightmares, Claire. I felt like I had to explain the dolls, like. coming in and you're just sort of standing there like you know. I don't know why they kept it that they come alive and they kill people I'm sure I made some other shit up too <laughs> like they're like oh hey welcome to the house this is the room where they keep the dolls that will haunt your nightmares <laughs> <laughs> 
You won't be sleeping tonight. Step inside. Most people would come in and be like, this is terrifying. And I'd be like, you don't have to stand here for three hours. They're worth They're worth a minute. I know. They're talking. When you, don't leave me. Oh, my God. That's so much. Indian is a weird little... It's a weird little part of town. It's like it's like Indian Village is always like in Detroit, but its own little yeah, yeah. right, right. Well, it was so like East Side, you know. Like, like, um, welcome to the East Side. Not what they seem. Her parents were teachers in the. There they were. Yeah, they were school uh, teachers, and I guess they would have bought the house in the eighties, maybe. Yeah, of course they did. Really, of course they did. Um, yeah, um, I'm just gonna venture to guess that some of those dolls had cocaine on them. <laughs> like someone sniffed cocaine off a doll. I feel like every I doll had prove a story. it. I, I feel like every doll she lived up would have a story. Like this was the doll I bought. Like I feel like she had a story for every doll. Sure, they were meaningful. Oh, oh, oh yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Like, Weird, sure. but meaningful. I think I, I think um, it goes without saying that not only did those dolls have cocaine on them, but there was a big fishbowl where you could leave your keys if you were into swinging. <laughs> Definitely. I think this house had a roller rink in the basement, actually. Of That's course dope. it did. It was one of That's those things. <laughs> so, do you have their number, actually? I want, I want both. Both their numbers. Both their numbers. Actually, I think, I think the family still has that house in Sherwood Forest. I could probably find out. I always wondered about that. I was like, what well, is that house now? What did they, did they redecorate? Does it look hey, the same? If you have what you consider to be an old school, freaky, disco type house, I want like some kind of fountain, inside fountain. I want like something gaudy, something that is almost embarrassing to be around. My grandmother, uh, my grandmother had a disco ball. My yes. <laughs> Things like that. I want a fondue set and a hookah lounge. Ooh, and I want plastic on Sunken all the furniture. I want I want a life-size painting of like your grandmother and her cat that where she's like scantily clad. Oh, I I actually have one of those. <laughs> when my grandmother died, we found all these pictures of her naked in a tub. I'm just like, oh, that's awesome. developing the pictures, bro. <laughs> uh, she's gonna be real sexy, like throwing her leg over to his butt naked. Oh, many stories. Okay, um, yeah. we might have we might have gotten on off track, but I think we're still in the world. We're still okay. in the world of yeah. the story. This is the world building. This is the this world is building. the world of the story. This is the beginning <laughs> of the fan fiction for this series. Oh, okay. Tell me more about the gr grandma hat. I mean, like... Yeah. <laughs> my grandmother yeah. was a piece of work. My, my grandmother's a whole book series. real there. Yeah, see, my, my grandmother and my aunts, they're, they're like a whole... I could do a whole series just on them. Yeah. Like they were just... I'm they're a spinoff series. When, you're, when you grow up and you think something's normal and then you, you start venturing to the world and you realize things are not normal at home. Like, right. I, as a kid, I thought everybody's grandma was like, like, I thought this was yeah. normal. Yeah, I was sure. like, your grandmother doesn't throw parties and the whole neighborhood comes over and then you wake up and you're like seven and you're stepping over drunks. Like, that's, you guys don't do that. Like, yeah. you don't do that. Yeah. And, and yeah. Just, she just, she was a depression era, and she just got it how she lived, and she was yeah. very unapologetic, and she just sure. was like that till she died. 
And so my mother, you know how the kid always becomes the opposite. Like my mom is real like, oh, rigid, straight, or whatever. But I always, mm-hmm. we always got a kick out of my grandmother. We thought she was hilarious. And when she died, we're cleaning stuff out. And we're just like, is it, are these bathtubs? Are these that grandma naked? Like, if she was, it was the 50s. She, she was, she was stacked. Sure. It was fine. And she was naked in the bathtub. But I'm like, you took these to the drugstore. Like, you didn't, this is not digital. This is somebody <laughs> had to develop and get this to you. <laughs> oh my god white and i don't know where they are now because i oh. i know my mother didn't want them but I, somebody they're on a they're on a black grandma in the in the bathtub fetish site it, 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 our grandma yeah yeah she had paintings of herself and sure you know she was yeah and her like i said her whole upstairs was a bar was a nightclub mm-hmm. and it was like they would go up there they would dance they would smoke it was new pictures hanging it was a it was mm-hmm. a, a disco ball yeah and she would play her records because that's when it was records and she would play the same song over and over and over again so it was yeah it was uh got to give it up by marvin Gaye. Yes. Okay. yes. <laughs> like, over and over and over Love again. And when you're a kid, you're like, yeah, this is just what it is. Sure. Because here's the thing. Sure. She loved us to death. Like, she loved us yeah. to death. It was like, this is love. Okay, so she's yeah, great. Right. This is what she does. And then I remember great she world. came to Detroit because she lived in Indianapolis. She came to Detroit because I didn't think of her as my mom's mom. I didn't think of her as a mom. I thought of her as grandma. So my yeah. mom was like, this is my mom. And she would just, my mom and my aunt would be so embarrassed. They would just be like, mama, no, right? We would be like, leave her alone. Like, this is yeah. And she came She's to Detroit and she stayed downtown. And she, because she used to work for the Catholic lottery, which was the Catholic numbers. So she always oh had a couple God. extra dollars because she, she knew how to make sure she would hit. You know what I mean? So she always had a couple yeah. extra dollars. So she would come to Detroit with my aunt, her sister, and they would be, they would party in Detroit. They'd be very, and it would be like boat parties and just these, all these decadent pictures of them like in the 70s. And grandma came to Detroit and she had on some liquid leggings with some high heel shoes. Yeah. <laughs> and they asked my mother to take them to Farmer Jack. And my mother took them to Farmer Jack and they had on these like red and black patent leather leggings with these <laughs> high heel shoes. And my mother was just like, oh my God. You know, it's like, she's great. What are you talking about? They're like, they're like in, in Farmer Jack pushing a basket. Get some, get some court girl, get some milk. You know what I mean? But they were just dressed like they were about to just shake yeah. it down to the club to three o'clock in the morning. And my mother was just, and I just remember the image of my mother being horrified and me just, me and my sister just laughing yeah. so hard. Like, that's oh, yeah. my grandma. She's dressed. And here's the thing, she had the body for it. Like, her and my aunt, they, they, they pulled it off, you know? Oh, of course. So now that I'm older, I'm just like, I wish I could put on a pair of liquid leggings like Graham did and just go. I think you just got to do it one day. You just got to, one day, you just got to decide your liquid leggings, girl. It's just, with the with the Olivia Newton-John green shoes. Remember how Olivia <laughs> Newton-John had the little pants on at the end? She had the little mules. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> She's got chills and they're multiplying. Oh yeah, she was. She was definitely. <laughs> yeah, she was. She, she, that was a look. She was. She was going for her her little early eighties Olivia Newton John. Oh yeah. Whatever. Wow. So one day, oh, one day God. later, I'll write. I have to wait for everybody to be dead to write about my grandma because my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. So, okay. So just looking at the time here, I want to go do a little round of last comments on the book or cannabis or life or, or anything. So Claire, take it away. 
Oh gosh. Well, I mean, I just am like, I gotta read the another one. Like, I gotta read them all. Uh, <laughs> and well, that was kind of my other question: is are there more than two? Like, you know, what? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. Chelsea has is about to have a baby. So I don't right. know if you guys watched The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, yes. but apparently, I love that. I love that show. Yeah. Yes. So one of the one of the criticisms, I read this article, one of the criticisms that the creator gets in, in the form of letters and blogs is that people are mad that Midge is never with her kids. And this is like yeah. a real thing. So I was reading a book on how to develop a series, and one of the things that they were talking about was you have to consider some of the realism of what your character's doing. And so, like, if she just had a baby and she's out in the street fighting crime, there are going to be people that are like, go home and take care of your baby. What is wrong with you? Yes, yes. Uh, so I'm going to need her to kind of pull back a little bit for book book three. is gonna She's going to step back a little bit, and then some of the other Team Chelsea people are going to step forward so that she can be a mom. Right. Which is, you know, because I don't, again, I don't want to hear the bullshit. I don't want to hear the think piece like, and you got this black woman out here not taking care of her kids. Like, I don't want to hear it. Oh my God. You know somebody's going to. Uh, I actually, actually started book three. Book two is done and I actually started book three. And so, yeah, we're going to, we're going to slightly just turn Chelsea down a little bit for a while and then yeah. um, bring her back. So that book two is really introducing the whole universe so that I can have some flexibility right, with right. who I put in the forefront. So book two is Chelsea's definitely the prominent character, but she's, you just got to get some more viewpoints, some more points of view. Cause I, I don't, I don't want, I want you to know where they're coming from in book three. Yeah. yeah. So book three is probably going to be Toddy and Romeo. Oh. Cause I still want a strong woman character. <laughs> so it'll probably be Toddy and Romeo. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for that. Is the second one done then? Okay, but so when it will when will it is it available now or would we have to wait? Well, it's got to go to the um, it's got to go to the editor. Okay, okay. So it'll probably I just finished it. It'll okay. probably be um beginning of September, first of the month. Oh, cool! We'll do it. We'll do it right when it comes out, so we can talk about it um and promote it. And is it called Mama Mama's, Mama's Baby Daddy's Murder? Mama's Baby's Daddy Murder. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, love it. So anything else? So you're coming to visit next week. So if you guys are watching yeah, this. I'll be, I'll be home next week. I'll probably stay for about a month. Oh, good. And are you doing, are you going to try to do any of the outdoor shows or anything? Have you talked to anybody? Uh, about I got to see. I got to, some of these live videos are scaring me. I'm not seeing enough masks. So I got to just, I'm taking it easy. I'm taking, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say yes. I'm still looking to see. Yeah, because there's some, there's some at drive-ins on projectors. Yeah. There's some in yards. You know, we did a little ohm show mm -hmm. that only only had staff of ohm, mm -hmm. and we we live streamed it. Oh, you, you know? streamed so, it. Okay. Yeah, so people are doing things. You know, yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I, right now I'm at a point where if you ask me for the show, I'm going to ask you a, a, a nice little laundry list of like, okay, are, yeah. is everything being wiped down? How, how many mics are you swapping them out? Yeah, swapping them like out. Yeah. As much as I love comedy, I would think that would be the stupidest reason to get COVID. I, I just, I can't imagine right. my, my son telling my grandkids like, oh yeah, grandma, we <laughs> lost her to a comedy show. You know? <laughs> oh no. I can't justify that one in my, in my I spirit. Know. I just can't. So, um, I got to just see. I'm not against it. I'm, I'm just, I want right. to see. I just want to see how people are moving. 
Right. Um, well, I love the book. If you're listening, you have to get this book and get excited for the next one. And you can get it at um, shortybooks.com. Yeah. Yep. You can get the digital download. And I'm going to go out with a with a different song. Are you ready? Let's go. <laughs> Can you hear what it is? Wait, it went away. Turn it up. It is up. It's Law and Order. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Who brings me a Law and Order theme song? <laughs> What'd you say? Is that a remix? No, it just sounds funky. It sounds like somebody remixed it or something. Oh, no, that's the no. legit intro to SVU. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the theme song. Oh, it's so funny, Shelly. It's classic. It's classic. So thanks so much, Heather J. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Claire. Thank you. Put the book up one more time and get on Amazon. If you want to crack a spine, just send yes. it to me. Yes, yes. Thanks so much for being on and, um, you know, uh, good luck in every single thing you're doing. And as soon as the next one is available, we'll do another show and, uh, and, and talk all about it. Does that sound good? I can't wait to hear. I'm like, now I just want to hear your opinion. I'm like, I just want to hear. I can't wait to hear what you think in the second book. <laughs> just can't wait. I can't wait. We're excited. We're excited. Okay, guys. Have a great day. And Bye, ladies. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.